Funding for the Hinckley Report and this podcast is made possible in part by the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund and AARP Utah. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report, your weekly political roundup. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Good evening and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Robert Gerke, news columnist with the Salt Lake Tribune, Amy Donaldson, executive producer with KSL Podcasts, and Rod Arquette, host of The Rod Arquette Show. Thank you for being with us uh, tonight. Big issues happening in Washington, D.C. with very big impacts in the state of Utah and around the country. Rod, I want to start with you on what happened this past week. President Biden announced he's going to restore the size of Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante National Monuments. This is a conversation we've been having even on the show for a long time. Why is that the case? Kind of give us a little bit what's happening. Well, I think what was interesting, I had a chance to talk with uh, Congressman Curtis this week. Of course, members of the congressional delegation wrote a combined op-ed piece uh, about this, and they called it a monumental insult. And I asked, I asked Congressman Curtis, I said, were you surprised or disappointed? He said, not surprised, but disappointed in the fact that they felt, they felt the delegation had been working with all parties involved, were really trying to get an audience with the president, to sit down with the president and argue their points, and they never got that. And he said, that's what disappointed the delegation more than anything, was we couldn't get in front of the president. Yes, the interior secretary came out, but he said he felt like that was more for show than anything else. So they were not surprised, but disappointed. And now the fight continues. I think that's what frustrates a lot of people is the debate over this. Are we ever going to settle the size, what it should be and what it can't be? Well, Amy, this disappointment idea that came from our delegation, what's interesting about the way this works is that it, it, no one was surprised about it. In fact, the administration kind of signaled, by the way, this is going to happen. And it's probably going to happen tomorrow, just so you know, but there's nothing they could do about it necessarily. On Indigenous Peoples Day, right? Correct. So there was, I think, a message being sent. Um, I find it interesting that they think that uh, Deb Halan coming here, the Interior Secretary, was ceremonial or, or was for show. I feel like she's the one who's much closer to the ground, much more involved in bringing people together, having a discussion about why and how and mm. what. Um, I think a meeting with the president would be very ceremonial. I don't know always that he has some idea about what's happening here, other than, you know, that what we all know sort of what happened mm. with the boundaries being changed under the Trump administration. And then this monument actually will be a little bit bigger because they're going to leave the right. additional 11,000 acres that Trump uh, designated. Um, but I felt like um, I felt a little disappointed in the delegation talking about including tribal leaders. This is the only national monument that was designated at the specific request of federally recognized tribes. And I find it insulting that you would attempt then to speak for people who are at odds with you on this issue. And so for me, I felt, you know, you want to say why you think it should be this way. And I didn't have any problem with some of the reasons mm -hmm. they laid out. But we already have a history with Grand Staircase. The trade that we made and, you know, that one of the arguments is this, uh, the trust lands for schools. Yeah, the Sitlo lands. Yeah, we yeah. got more yeah. money um, by trading those, trading that land um, from Grand Staircase. So some of the some of this for me is just uh, a show. It, you're right. It is a political football has become one. This didn't happen. None of these monuments. Grand Canyon uh, was was protested. Nobody was ever in favor of turning any of these lands. It happens every time I'm from Alaska that it ha I think the issue here is that 
we're number four in the number of federally controlled lands, and that's that's what people are upset about. Mm -hmm. Robert, I want to ask you about this too. You wrote a really great article this week about it that everyone I think should read. Uh, but I, I want to frame this with a, a, a quote from Senator Mitt Romney because uh, our delegation did did engage almost immediately with their response. And this is what Senator Romney said. He said, "Yet again." Utah's national monuments are being used as a political football between administrations. The decision to re-expand the boundaries of Bears Ears and our Grand Staircase Escalante is a devastating blow to our state, local, and tribal leaders and our delegation. Kind of put that quote from him into context with what you have been hearing from people uh, in the state this week. Well, I mean, I, I think they didn't mind when, <clears throat> excuse me, when President Trump shrunk the monuments, eliminated almost the entire monument in the first place. And and now this is somehow an insult to, to the people of Utah. Uh, it's, it's a little bit hypocritical. Um, <clears throat> ultimately, what we need to get to is we need to get these these sacred lands protected. I mean, if, if we want to protect the lands, we've got to come to some sort of agreement, get it funded, get some boots on the ground to try to preserve these areas. And, and the unfortunate thing is that right now you've got uh, a lot more visitors coming to this to this site. Uh, but you don't have more resources there to accommodate those visitors. You don't have even the visitor center. You don't have toilets. You don't have, uh, you know, the, the, the resources to protect the Indian artifacts that are there. So, um, I mean, it is it does bother me, as Amy pointed out, I think, to hear Mitt Romney talking about what tribal leaders wanted when it was the tribe. This was initiated by the tribes um, back in 2015. And there have been, you know, we've had six, five, six years since then to try to resolve this issue, and we haven't seen much action by the by the delegation to do that. So, I think it's a, it's a little bit of uh, they're going to stomp their feet and and be upset when they don't get their way. <clears throat> and, you know, as Rod, <clears throat> excuse me, as Rob said, as Rod said, you know, when when the Secretary of Interior, Secretary Holland, came out, they say that's that's all for show. But when Secretary Zinke comes out, that was a great thing for the Interior Secretary to do. So it's just a, it comes down to a matter of they're unhappy because they didn't get their way. And, well, and also, yeah. don't you think they're they're looking at management that would uh, the tribe would be central? Tribe, the tribal coalition would be central to the management of this monument of Bears Ears, and you know everyone's saying, well, this this how will this work? Well, well, that's what they're going to figure out, and that has to happen like immediately because uh, Robert's right. There's no roads in some places uh, where people are just driving and going on, on uh, wherever they want. So, but you have a model like in Canyon de Chelly where the Navajo Nation owns that national monument and, and it's run in conjunction with the federal government, with the Department of Interior and National Park Service. And I have been there. I've run a race in that uh, monument and I love seeing the native people caring for and benefiting from and, you know, showing off this amazing living uh, archaeological site. And so I think that um, you have models, you have examples where this has worked. And um, I think that key to this is getting uh, some kind of structure in place so that this can be managed because right now people don't, you know, random people are coming from other countries in some cases and, and they're going. The other thing is I would point everybody back to after Grand Staircase was designated. Um, a lot of uh, ranchers were upset about it. A lot of businesses changed and pivoted. Happened in Emory County too with the shutdown of mines there. Uh, now they have great recreational um, industries mm -hmm. that have, uh, they've pivoted, they've, they've learned to make money in a different way. There are also costs to that industry. And I would just caution everyone, like, it's not just like a free for all now. Now we have to say, how do we want this to happen? And this was already happening. This will just protect 
um, uh, so that people generations from now can enjoy it. Yeah, I, I think the issue that a lot of people had, or not a lot of people, but the surveys show that, it's the size. I mean, do you need this big of a monument? 1.3 million acres, 1.9 million acres is the sign. I, I really enjoyed Robert's article because Robert pointed out the management. Is there going to be money allocated to manage this? This is a huge project. Are we going to take benefit of it, take advantage of it? The other point I want to respond to Amy on the disappointing side from Curtis's point of view, and I think other members of the delegation, you know, Joe Biden spent a long time in the Senate. He understands back and forth. He understands, let's argue, let's debate, let's make your presentation, then we can debate. They didn't get that out of Biden. Uh, you know, Mike Lee told me a couple of weeks ago, he said, during the Obama years, Joe Biden was always up on the Hill. He was working with lawmakers, working, you know, doing the, the, the gripping and grinning, so to speak. But you don't see him anymore. You don't yeah. see his legislature. Now, be, he now, might be now working on that but, other well, little project. You know, there's another. You know, now he is president. That's a little bit different yeah. role than when he was vice president. But I think they felt because he's a, you know, he came from a legislative background, Joe Biden, that he would at least be willing to sit down and, and listen to them. That's where the disappointment, mm -hmm. I think, is what they brought up. So, so Robert, on the list. Oh, go ahead, Robert. I was just going to say, if I could, to, to kind of pick up on the point Amy made. If you look at the Zion National Park, Arches National Park, Bryce Canyon National Park, Capitol Reef National Park, all of these are areas that started as national monuments. They were preserved and protected under the Antiquities Act as national monuments first. And I think it's hard to say that those communities have done poorly because of that. I don't think those have hindered economic development in those areas. And I think they've enhanced economic development in those areas and creating this huge tourism industry. I don't think Moab would be happy if you try to get rid of Arches National Park now. So I think ultimately, if we can get together and come together and, and, and protect the lands and get this area funded, get the, get the resources on the ground, uh, it's, it could be a tremendous asset for these communities. But if we're going to continue to fight about it for the next 25 years, as we have in the case of Grand Staircase, it's, it's, it's going to be a deadlock. It's going to be a stalemate, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be detrimental to the communities and detrimental to the lands that we want to protect. And all that land is open for grazing, just mm -hmm. FYI. Mm -hmm. and, well, and there is... There are going to be lawsuits. I mean, it's just coming. The but they're either, always are. Yeah, there always are. You know, I think what what people would like to find would be a congressional solution that would be be supported by the president. <gasps> but it's not. We would like it. So talk about that. But it's going to go. There's no doubt. Yeah. It's headed for the courts again, and we're going to get another mm -hmm. court ruling. Well, and the it's courts just, have consistently yeah. supported the idea that you can use the Antiquities Act to do exactly what Joe Biden and President Obama have done. So well, that's kind there's of. There's a question on that too. So is the use of the Antiquities Act. Well, so talk about that for just a second, Rod, because that's what these decisions are based and that, that power that the president has under the Antiquities Act to do these kinds of declarations. And that's why... They have to have significant artifact, uh, you know, arche uh, archaeological and na natural yeah. significance mm -hmm. to the community. But the fighting continues uh, yeah. on about these things because uh, uh, whoever's in kind of in the chair of the president under this gets to... No, no. Makes... The fighting continues because uh, politics has become a blood sport. <laughs> that's why the fighting continues. In no, the, it's, it's, it's executive action. Look, it's, it's not ex just... Yeah. It's it is not, executive action. It's, you're going to write all. You're going to govern by executive action. Well, I'm going to come in and undo everything you did yeah. by executive action. And the argument no, is to, that yeah. is part of this. It is yeah. part of this it, issue. Yeah, it is part of the issue. The other issue is the debate over control. Who controls Which the I land? I love because is it is it the tribes? Is it the state? Is it the federal government? That's what it comes down to. Who controls and, this and land? And I feel like the best solution. And Governor uh, Representative Curtis was involved in this. Is a state 
federal and tri the tribal central, the tribal coalition has to be at the center of this and th with the support of the state and federal and they can have input. Um, I mean, if you look at what they say they're losing, they're not losing the things they say they are. And, and that's yeah. what bothers me is if we could just at least all be talking about the same set of facts. And, and then we could have a, a real productive conversation about what do you need and how can I give that to you? Because that can happen. This can be mutually beneficial for everybody in the area and everybody around the world who wants to come and enjoy these. But right now, because of our political landscape, I just see it getting, yeah. talking about football, yep. round it's whoever round has the ball and then <laughs> it goes the other team. Robert, final word on this, particularly about these groups coming together. <laughs> Amy made an excellent point that uh, we're, we're overlooking in all of this. It's not, this is not a federal land grab. These were all federal lands to begin with. It, they're just changing how they're managed. And they're not really restricting all that much either. As Amy noted, there's a ton of grazing in the Grand Staircase. When they drew the Bears Ears boundaries, they drew them very carefully to ex exclude mineral resources that might be developable. So I think we're, we're, there's a lot of hyperbole going on here uh, and wailing and gnashing of teeth. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we're talking about how do we want to protect these lands that I think we can all agree deserve to be protected. Mm -hmm. uh, let's uh, all kind of transition to some events that happened this past week. There's a there's a little bit of this theme even with our high tech industries uh, when it comes to our, our public lands too, which has been a, a source of constant uh, conversations, including whether or not even some of these companies stay in the state of Utah. But this week, uh, Silicon Slopes met uh, in the state of Utah. All these high tech companies. Um, they, you know, Apple executives here. Yeah, we had Steve Ballmer, Steve, yeah. a former CEO of Microsoft. You had Tim Cook yeah. here. At a, he actually went to a basketball game, so yeah. they had crossover. So, mm -hmm. so, so uh, they had some comments uh, about where they see the state of Utah is going and what they would like to see. Let's start with you, Amy. I know you yeah. you looked at it closely, and then and let's get the, uh, from the business well, side, Rod. I, I guess I'm squirming in my very comfortable chair because. I saw Mike Lee and Mitt Romney engaging with Steve Ballmer and Tim Cook, and, and I read uh, Art Raymond's piece in the Deseret News about how Mike Lee was instrumental in, in bringing Zuckerberg here a couple, er, in 2020, mm -hmm. and, then, and then this situation with Tim Cook. But I, for me, what that, and I'm an outsider, I didn't cover this. <laughs> So I'm like everyone else, just watching to see what's happening. And I feel like that tells me that's why this industry will never be regulated. Facebook will not get the regulation that it needs. I mean, in broadcast, we can't say certain words on the radio. We can't swear. There, there are all kinds of rules about how, what you can and can't put on broadcast television or broadcast radio. But on the flip side, we can't regulate absolute fiction being passed off as news articles and, and news programs on social media. Um, it's it's mind-boggling to me, but I, I saw that, I read the articles. Um, I didn't feel like a sense of, oh, this is amazing or excitement. I felt like th they're all in the same boat and we're not in the boat. Yeah. That's how I felt. Yeah, I, Even know, on the educational, I don't mm -hmm. know how you felt about the educational. Well, the the, 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 the the internet has been the wild west from the beginning and how do you tame the wild west i mean and uh, you know when you talk about regulation i think people sometimes grow a little uncomfortable wait a minute here let's not regulate this thing too much or how do you regulate it that you don't get censorship on top of it mm -hmm. and that's going to be your, uh, that's going to be the well, real question and 
I what I really enjoyed was the fact that lawmakers and some of the high tech leaders actually had a breakfast and they had an exchange of ideas about what bothers the high tech industry. And they listened to the legislators. The legislature provided a lot of business incentives for these companies to get going. I noticed the sure, governor yeah. said just I think it was today or yesterday. Yeah, Ron, those what, incentives are coming to an end. What bothers you know, you're kind of on your own. Yeah, what bothers you're me about on, that is that that that's them saying, here's what we need from you. Like, we don't like these statements bills we yep, don't we yep. don't we the don't you know bills, the drinking yeah. like laws yeah, and stuff yeah. like that and i feel like the people missing at the table are all the rest of us yeah. who have to live with whatever they work out for themselves so it, it, you want me to come here this is what i need and then they're making these deals at some breakfast that we we're yeah. never invited uh, yeah. to uh, <laughs> i mean i'm not saying i, I, I should be invited <laughs> 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 well, you I'm sure make sure. Sure. can you get your invite amy no. i'm sorry <laughs> you didn't get that can we talk about this regulation for a second cuz there's the local side too but i've been very interested and what's happening uh, with our some of the congressional committees too? We've had whistleblowers from uh, Facebook in talking about Instagram, the harm to to children in particular. Talk about some of that because it's political, yes, but it's also to to mental health and and uh, and even life or death in some cases when it comes to suicide from some of these impacts of social media. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's an important issue that's probably getting attention now because of the politics, because it's beneficial to some of these Congress member, members of Congress. Um, but it is important, too, because, uh, you know, you see when we were kids, we didn't have cell phones when we were eight or nine years old. We, we didn't, you know, grow up with that constantly being bombarded with that. And we're seeing the real consequences of that. And and yeah, these these companies know it. They know it's a problem. They know that uh, misinformation on, on their platforms is a problem. And, and I think going to Amy's point, I think the only way you're ever going to see them, uh, you know, brought into line or, or held to some standard is if they're legally liable for the information that they put online for the damage that they do. Uh, you know, in, in our business, Rod, Amy, myself, we, we would be held accountable if we published misinformation, if we knowingly published false information and these are publishers. And so they need to be responsible for the consequences of, of their actions. I think, you know, that's, that's a pretty basic premise and, and, and we need to move toward that. And, and I, I'm not confident though, that we're going to get, very far down that road because the, you know as Amy pointed out we see we see who wants to buddy up to them when uh, you know and we see how much money they've got to lobby and and so you know it's 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 going to be an ongoing struggle and I don't think it's going to get better until it gets much worse for these lawmakers to be talking about regulation or how do we control this how many of these lawmakers are getting money from the high tech that, industry? that's the problem that's, that's the, what I mean. that, that yeah. that's yeah. the issue I mean you know probably... you you can talk yeah we're, we're gonna fix this we're gonna fix this and oh by the way thanks for the campaign <laughs> I mean, you've got to think about that. Hey, hey Rod, can, let's put this into perspective because I thought it was an interesting comment from Senator Markey from Massachusetts. Because you talk about this, you know, will there be regulation? And there, I think these arguments are good. But I'm wondering if you think this is a fair comparison to the impact these companies might have. This is what he said. He's, this is about Instagram in particular. He said, Instagram is that first childhood cigarettes <laughs> meant to get teens hooked early. Facebook is just like big tobacco, pushing a product they know is harmful to the health of young people. I mean, they're trying to make that connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, just watch a group of teenagers and how they use the cell phone and how they communicate with each other. I mean, it is very addictive to these kids. I mean, let's be honest, for it's many- It's very addictive to these kids. For, for, yeah, yeah, for, for many yeah. of us, no. what do we do first thing in the morning? Grab the phone and see what messages we have on the phone. So I think he makes a very, very good point and the power of it, how we regulate that. Someone suggested the other day, I heard this, I went, that's odd. We regulate cigarettes, do we now need to regulate cell phones? 
to children under 16. And I'm going, whoa. Well, You're the going American Association of Pediatrics has already given parents some guidance yeah, on what yeah. they what screen time they should or shouldn't yeah, be having. And, and I think for par parents, a lot of parents are lost on this. How do I lock this out? How do I block this? They don't know how to do it. Maybe we need a campaign. Mom and dad, this is what you need to do on your cell phones. Listen, I had to have my kids teach me how to use my smart TV. So I, uh, I'm not going to say, no, I, I think that, um, I mean, I, there has to be regulation. The problem is the money is with the big businesses yep. who don't want to be regulated. They don't, they, we'll take care of it. We'll have a, an, I, I mean, I, I watched that 60 Minutes piece with uh, the, the face, with yep. yeah, uh, Frances Haugen, and she, her telling me that, or telling us that they disbanded their, their office of integrity after the election because, oh, everything's okay now, was exactly my fear. It confirmed for me that this is about um, making politicians happy in a moment, and then we can make as much money as we want. They they want engagement, and what drives engagement is anger. It's it's negative emotions. It's I want this, I want that, I need to buy this, I need to buy that. And and uh, the social dilemma is a film I recommend every oh, a documentary powerful. I yes, recommend right, everyone watch. But it will and it will change the way you. And, but the, this information has been out there for almost a decade, mm -hmm. and we have changed nothing. And we're not even talking about we're. We, look at the pandemic, how much more dependent we became on all of our technology. Do you think our kids are not also? I had a, a, a granddaughter in kindergarten uh, doing Zoom calls for kindergarten, and I'm thinking to myself, she has no, her childhood and mine resemble literally hardly anything about, that. There, there's no, what she's experiencing, what I experience are completely different universes. And I, it's more isolating in a lot of ways. It is more, uh, depression is higher amongst younger people. Suicide is higher amongst younger people. Um, and everyone wants to blame this fact that you couldn't go out and see your friends. There's also like this massive dependence on social media. And Huge. if we don't decide that we're gonna do something about this for our kids, then I, I, I and I, and it's, it's gonna be a huge money issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the industry is not going to discipline itself. No, they no are industry not. is. I mean, Let's be you honest. Know, you know, no it, are any of us I mean, good? It, go, it goes back to profit, profit, profit. And yeah. if they see profit, they yeah, are going no, to discipline. No industry but is. No we industry have had is. this debate about police. Yeah. Yeah, we have. We We've have. had this debate about <laughs> the media. Oh, yeah. sure, we're going to take care of it. No problem. That's like telling me to be in charge of how much sugar is in my house. It's just going <laughs> to be hidden in my cupboard. <laughs> okay. Uh, let, let's transition for a moment uh, into the 2022 elections. Because we should, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's we interesting. Have to. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to at some point. Uh, uh, so it's interesting. Uh, I want to get to what's happening like we locally. We never left 2020. <laughs> it, it's kind of true. So, so, Robert, interesting comments from former President Trump this past week. Uh, as, we're, as we're starting to get ballots in the mail this week for municipal elections, Amy got hers yesterday. Ours will all arrive soon. And we're starting to look at what's happening in 2022. Former President Trump was talk, still talking about voter fraud and encouraging Republicans maybe not to vote in the next two rounds. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, it, kind of, it kind of goes part and parcel with what he, the damage he's done to our democracy in the first place, right? Uh, if you've undermined the uh, integrity of the elections, the trust in the democracy, and now you're telling people to stay home, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's sort of a short-sighted play on his part, I suppose, because if, if his supporters stay home, then his, his candidates are going to lose. But he is still the, you know, the most prominent Republican out there. And, and when he makes statements like this, it, it could potentially have an impact. And, and so, um, you know, but, but at the end of the day, it, it's, it's 
we should we should be trying to support the integrity of our of our democracy. It's it's the only system we've got, and and rather than tear it down, I would like to see the president, the former president, um, you know, bolstering it, propping it up. If there's if there are problems, then fix the problems. But he can't really point to specific problems. So I guess the solution is tell everybody to stay well, home. He'll point to one specific problem. He didn't win, <laughs> and he said before the election even occurred, if I don't win, then there's fraud. Right. So he's very much in this for himself. What I'm disappointed about is. Um, other Republicans and really other Democrats saying um, you should be voting. We, we, I hate. I looked at. I got my municipal ballot, and my mayor and my city council or city council person are running unopposed. That's my, that's what I don't want to want to see. I want to see more people involved. I want to see more people running so that I have better choices. And and this environment is so toxic. And I would love to see both Democrats and Republicans coming out and saying on a wide scale, not what we've had individual voices, but massive numbers of them coming and saying, you should be voting, that, that you can trust this process. Mm -hmm. This, it is not, there is not widespread corruption. We're lucky we live where we live and we have the options we do and we're gonna do something. I wish we would pass voter protection acts, but we're not voting rights. I don't see that happening. But um, I, I just, just a big statement, just even publicly getting together and saying, you should be voting. We should want everyone voting. We want engagement. We don't want you to just get on Facebook and, and have now, your election. Now, Rod, Carson Jorgensen, who runs the Utah Republican Party, uh, came out pretty quick talking about Yeah, I asked him about point. it. I, I had him on the show yesterday, yeah. on my radio show yesterday, and he laughed. He, th he said, at first I thought it was a joke. I mean, that's mm -hmm. how he kind of looked at it. I, well, I think cry, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was laugh for crying. But this whole debate is going to be fueled. There's a new book out that Molly Hemingway has written called Rigged. It talks about how the election was not stolen, but vandalized. And people are going to read that, especially Trump supporters go, aha, I told you so. This is what happened here. This debate's not going to calm down. But I, I found it interesting that Carson, but it, but Car you, Carson laughed at it. He said, I really thought it was a joke at first. And you, I, think you, have to understand, you have to understand Trump sometimes. And I don't, did he really mean that? Yeah, you have to understand where he's coming from sometimes. And I think he feels in his heart of hearts that things were done. I don't know if you could say the election was stolen, but things were rigged to prevent him from winning. That's what he honestly believes. He's going to share that with his supporters and his supporters well, are going to believe I'm just going to disagree with you straight up and tell you, I think he's all about himself. He's oh, all about he, what's good he, for him. And so he will tell any lie necessary to support the fact that he should, st people are still acting like he's the president. I saw a member of Congress act, say he couldn't say definitively there was no fraud in the last election. It's ridiculous that this debate is still going on in every member of Congress who doesn't come out and say the elections are not rigged, there is no widespread fraud, you can trust this process, especially in states where they know uh, that their state, like in Utah, you can vote through the mm -hmm. mail. There isn't an issue. L you don't need to understand seconds. Trump okay. to do that. But name me one politician that isn't all about himself. Okay, we're going to have to leave it this way, but this conversation will keep happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thrilling. Didn't name one. <laughs> thank, thank you all for this evening. Thank you for listening to The Hinkley Report. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help more people find out about it, please rate it and leave us a positive review.